Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Offside Musings podcast. My name is Oke Ndibe, and it's my delight to welcome you on behalf of my co-host, Emeka Onyagwa. In today's special episode, we're going to be looking at Peter B's recent interview with CNN. In that interview, CNN focused particularly on obese support base in young Nigerians. In this episode, we're gonna be looking at what we learned from the CNN interview, and particularly developments in Peter B's really exciting and unusual campaign for the Nigerian presidency. You're very welcome. interview. I, <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know what I was expecting because in a lot of ways, um, I was worrying about that interview because, you know, uh, as you know, they had scheduled it and it was postponed once or twice. And so I was actually wondering if CNN was sort of pulling away from doing the interview, uh, whether it was the obese camp uh, that was dittering. But ultimately, that interview held last week. On the whole, I would say that Peter B gave a good account of himself. Um, and I'm going to get into why I think that is and what he said that particularly resonated uh, with me. Um, but what struck me most powerfully was CNN's focus on obese support base in young Nigerians. So here is this young woman. I think her name is Weyimi Lube, uh, who articulated in a very powerful way, I thought, um, the meaning of obese presidency or of obese presidential run uh, for young people. Uh, I'm sure that you also watched the interview, so I'd like to hear your initial take. Oh yeah, I think it was was um, a well prepared interview for sure. Um, I have um, in part of my life I, I would um, prepare people that had a public profile for um, stuff like that, interviews, exactly mm -hmm. like that. So I think it was well prepared, um, most likely. He's, um, he has a team at this point in time. Um, and either they do, they have, um, which, you know, maybe in America, you have like in, an in-house team uh, media, which eventually if you win, they transition to your media and communications team. But they might have... They might have a um, a contractual basis with um, um, maybe maybe some public relations firms who firms who would come in when they need them, but clearly was well prepared. When you have things like that, the point is they they get to the um, media house, whether it's um, um, print or uh, video, or they get the um, you know they set the boundaries if, 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 if anything is needed. Um, 
And um, you know, they'll tell you, okay, this is this is what we want we want to talk about. You guys reach an agreement. What the media house would decide what is important for them to talk about. You decide if you want to talk about anything, some candidates, some people mm-hmm. talk about anything. Um and then you guys reach a consensus. Sometimes it's the easiest thing in the world because some people don't care. They like ask me any questions. I'm going mm-hmm. to answer any questions. Mm-hmm. Um after all, in a campaign like this, really, you should expect certain questions, right? Um and um, he came in and he was prepared. Like they talked about the stuff people love to try to hang over, or be, which doesn't stick the Pandora Papers. Um, I'm not saying. I'm just stating the the, the obvious. Well, I'm not, you know. in a, in a sense, it doesn't stick because I think that his support base is, in a lot of ways, indifferent to that issue. I think that ultimately Obi has to give um, some explanation uh, about that because I, I think that as a public official, uh, I don't believe that he was supposed to be conducting business. Um, so if uh, his appearance on the Pandora Papers uh, represents a legitimate engagement uh in business he'd have to uh make that case you know so this um i note that the cnn interviewer uh in the preamble to the interview mentioned uh that but she never asked to be a question about it so that was that was curious for me but as you said something that i think um is quite important that i've often been critical of ob for two things. One is for, um, you know, the interview that I did with Rudolph Okonkwo, where I said that Obi was running the most intellectually vibrant uh, campaign of the three uh, major political candidates. But I also said that he had a tendency to overpromise. And I caught grief from that from his supporters, because um, I think that Obi is particularly unlucky uh, in his supporters in that sense, you know, that it's as if his supporters insist that we must declare that a saint is running for for the presidency. And it it, it behooves us to continue to state that no Nigerian politician is a saint. Indeed, hardly do you find a saint in the ranks of politicians anywhere in the world. Occasionally, you might find one or two people who are more suited, if you like, to a kind of ecclesiastical uh, priestly vocation than the vocation of politics, who are nevertheless in politics. But no, he is not a saint by any stretch. But it can be said that he's running a vibrant campaign that is engaging with issues and that is a breath of fresh air because what you get in Nigeria often is politicians using tired, trite, cliched phraseology like I'm running to move the nation forward, whether they are moving the nation forward into a ditch, into a precipice, into a chasm. You know, so that whole laziness or some of them will say, I, I, I'm running to carry everybody, you know, to carry everybody along, you know, which is a often um, uh, eulogism for 
I'm running to share money amongst my uh, fellow uh, cohort of, of, of thieves, really. And so B is talking about the issues. It's talking about issues of, of production, of power, of corruption, of um, in, you know, diverse, diversifying the economy and so on. So and one of the things that I noted about his recent interview, in addition to now speaking prudently and to of speaking in measured terms, I think that Obi also spoke with particular discipline. Obi uh, is often known for his loquaciousness, you know, that, you know, you ask him a question and he starts telling so many stories and he goes off point. But there was a certain uh, discipline and a certain focus with which he spoke uh, in the CNN interview. Of course, we know that, uh, that the CNN must have edited uh, that interview as well. But I think he gave, Obi gave a good account of himself during, the, during that interview. But I think that he's still going to be tested. Um, and my expectation, my hope, is that having featured Obi uh, uh, in such a high-profile, highly anticipated interview, that CNN should extend the same courtesy to the two other major candidates uh, to also come um, on the show and who knows whether they, they will accept so it, it says something is to be credit that he did accept and um, we will hope that Atiku and Tinubu if an invitation is extended to them and I think that definitely CNN uh, should extend invitations to them uh, that they would come and also um, look at Nigerians and the world and state what their own presidency, should they win, um, would look like. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that CNN would have have already probably um, extended that invitation for sure. I, I have no doubt about that. But um, a guy like Ati could be more interested in the way the media landscape works, right? Part of what I, part of what I was describing earlier is. He's probably more interested in doing multiple interviews with um, uh, VOE Elsa, BBC Elsa service. Um, without a doubt, that is something that I'm pretty sure, even as of today and even even as of tomorrow, will be the most effective uh, means for him. In terms of Tinubu, he, he um, best of my knowledge, I think he's fully hired a public relations firm. Um, because they have all these billboards in New York, London, you know, um, all kinds of places. So Tinubu has billboards in New York. Yes, he has billboards. He has um, um Wait a um, minute, in public spaces. In public spaces, not not the well. I didn't see the big ones on the distance. I saw the ones that move around. So they hired those. Uh, they they mount at the back of a truck and then they drive it around the city. Or in that's the case of very, London, that's just, very strange, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially as Nigerians in the diaspora still don't have voting voting um, rights within the in Nigeria, so um, it's 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 rather peculiar in my view that 
you'd you'd be running such a visual campaign on the streets of New York City, um, which, which is not. I mean, of course, there are lots of Nigerians in New York and in all the major cities in this country. But if you put billboards or posters on the backs of trucks and they drive around a city, it seems to me to be a very, very weird uh, way for you to try to send any message at all. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, that's, that's really strange for me. I know that that's not the subject of our conversation today, that ultimately we want to return to Ubi's um, interview on CNN and what all of that means. Yeah, 100%. I mean, but that's, that's Tinubu style. I, I've always known Atiku to be a guy that would also hire foreign consultants. Actually, Atiku hires like, um, you know, very serious. Um, I think at one point in time, David, Ax David Axelrod was actually mm -hmm. working for him. Mm -hmm. I need to be, but I know Axelrod was working on, on the Nigerian political campaign mm -hmm. in the last period. So they come in with heavy hitters. They try to dress it up, um, look good. But, you know, you can only look so good. Um, if you have to do, even in a pre-scripted to some degree CNN interview, um, where you know the questions, um, you know, you know the exact questions. Most of the time, the way these things work is they're not going to necessarily give you the exact question. They're going to but tell you say, we're going to discuss these issues. Yeah. Is mm -hmm. that okay with you? Great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So whichever way you, the question itself is something you, you, you're not going to be, you know, so, um, and they probably edited some things. I don't know what the full edits were, but there was message discipline, which showed mm -hmm. a guy that, you know, if, if he were somebody I was, um, um, yeah, Bob, in my distance, is working for it in some ways, you mm -hmm. know, yeah, if I somebody that I was, I was working for, that was under my distance, you know, you'd sit down, you put the cameras, you, you, you direct, you know, your best angles, down to your best angles of turning and where you answer certain questions. Um, yeah, so it was something that was, that, is, that you know, he, he looked like he had practiced some level of message discipline, he, which was he, he, well. Yeah, yeah, he did come, well. he did come prepared, it seemed. And, um, and I thought that the questions were, not the most difficult questions, but there were very interesting questions. There were appropriate questions to ask. There were actually challenging questions on some level, um, uh, because um, the CNN Zen Asha asked to be, you know, that Nigeria is pretty much bankrupt, okay, and and that the country is just racked by insecurity and so on and said to be so how are you going to make how is one man like you going to make a difference and obi was quite quite measured in in indicating that the primary the central challenge will be focusing on on security there's nothing else you can do uh, in a country that is um, riddled with violence, uh, where um, Boko Haram and uh, the Islamic 
um, state of West Africa province, ISWAP, um, and then uh, herdsmen and unknown gunmen sort of have um, command of the space where oh. uh, major politicians are now attacked routinely, police officers are killed, military officers are killed. Um, there's, there's very little you can do in such a space, right, in terms of investment, okay, uh, even in terms of infrastructural development until you solve the question of insecurity. And uh, so, so it was interesting to hear be um, sort of systematically analyze that situation and, you know, showed uh, yeah. an awareness that this was, this was the way, this was the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it made sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, the main thing, the main takeaway which you read uh, about that was, was one was message discipline too. Um, you know, anybody that had any doubts that, um, you know, this is an, this is a continuation of the NSAS movement, um, you know, which is, it's always been the, you can see Shore that feels like, um, knowing Shore from, from a mini distance, you can put it out for me, you know, you know him a lot better. Um, <laughs> he, he, and he said it before, this is not some new thing I'm saying. He feels like um, he is the mantle of NSAS movement. Like, you know, if anybody's running and that movement should be attached to any candidate, it should be him. That's the way he feels. But, you know, you could say what you want all day long, just like during NSAS, a whole bunch of people came out and claimed the movement. Some said um, one guy said uh, he had written down the hashtags in his house four years ago and prayed over it, according to him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> according to this guy. You know? so, <laughs> I'm just saying what this game was people like. And I was a guy that went behind to start uh, negotiating and said, look, man, this is his movement and not for, and that's the key point. This is the guy that went behind and started like, this is his and not for these youths. And this guy is a man that is about 60, I, I, you know, but you know, it, it, it's just it's just very very. So it's very similar to Shuri. Shuri feels also, but the, the reality of pointing all these actors and there are many of them, it's not just these two, um, who feel, who come out, who feel, who see, not a private thing. It's not, it's not a conversation that I had privately with these guys. It's what they went out there and put out by themselves. So who feel? But the youths don't feel. The youth never felt that way about those guys then, in terms of NSAS. Um, a lot of people have uh, tried to take the mantle. Oh, you know, they're the voice of NSAS in Lekki Tollgate or whatever, you know, but you feel this way, people feel this way. It's a very organic thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have... Somebody was saying, uh, I forgot where I was listening, uh, I think this today or so, and the person was echoing, was saying exactly what, you know, guys older than me was saying something about, yeah, this is the first time in his life that he has seen in Nigeria. He's Nigerian. This is the first time he has seen a political campaign where the citizens of the country are investing their own money and time mm -hmm. into the campaign. Yeah. Not one person. Is yes. These mm -hmm. are people that don't know him mm -hmm. are not going to personally benefit from maybe a contract or something. 
have people that walk up to him and are like, look, man, I have, I mean, you've seen videos. I have 20,000 I saved, Naira, I have whatever amount. Please take it, run your campaign. Um, we want you to win. We want the country to be better because everybody can run away from the country. Everybody can mm. leave countries, 200 million people. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a feasible idea mm -hmm. for 200 million people. If, if you drop the nuclear to, to bomb. up and run, yeah. Like, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, like, you know, so. The, the point, um, you know, which is the, um, uh, the point you just made about NSAS and how in a lot of ways, which is for me the most exciting, illuminating aspect of the interview with CNN or B's interview with CNN is they um the build up to that interview where a cnn correspondent spoke to this woman this young woman lube uh who quite brilliantly quite eloquently uh explained uh the relationship between obese campaign and the NSAS movement if you remember in a lot of ways, I think that our podcast has been particularly prophetic in this in this respect. If you remember, uh, in our early days, we were stating clearly that young people should take charge of 2023. And we said that this was about them, okay? And we, we also proposed that they should take that energy, that passion, uh, that vital force that they unleashed in October of 2020 to push the NSAS uh, movement and tr bring all of that into uh, the kind of political choices um, that they will make uh, in 2023, in next year's general elections. And I somehow felt, uh, first of all, I was taken by surprise by NSAS, right? It was an altogether youth-conceived, youth-run, youth-managed um, event, okay? They raised the funds. They mobilized themselves for the campaigns. They fed the hungry. They suckered the sick. They picked up them after themselves. They wrote their press releases. They held press conferences. They were very disciplined in stating what, they are, what, what their demands were, right? And... Um, it was a very heartening for me, a very heartening moment uh, in Nigeria that had not been seen um, since perhaps uh, the June 12th uh, movement, which was a different kind of movement. And so I anticipated and hoped that the young people would uh, reignite that uh, energy um, and bring it to bear on the 2023 elections. 
um, I actually was proposing that they should come out, young people, the youngest person possible should come out to run for the presidency and uh, young people should rally around such a person. I think that Obi, in a sense, became both a fortunate and in some ways natural beneficiary of that movement um, became that for several reasons. One was that um, during his governorship and after, Obi, um, in numerous speeches, uh, gave the impression of somebody who was thinking of the nature of the crisis in Nigeria. Okay, so he always talked about the different problems in Nigeria and proposed uh, some of the solutions that he's again revisiting during this current incarnation of his political odyssey. Um, but I, I don't know, I mean, I want to speak a little more about that young woman who was also interviewed by CNN, because I think that her insights were even, for me, far more impressive than ultimately uh, Obi's equally uh, impressive outing during the interview. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, um, it's a professional network, CNN, well done piece, as, you know, uh, when they want to do their jobs, uh, which it, they went out, they found a, a good person to put on camera, which she is. Um, and um, I didn't check the name very well, but it might not even be her, but I don't know. But I, I suspect she might be Niger Delta. That's, that's, that's my suspicion. She might be one of the ethnic groups that, that, that uh, you know, it could be. Um, and I think the brilliance of it also even in the interview was the fact that uh, you see um, Zane Asha, who's, um, who is, uh, who did the interview is um, Chiwatel, your first younger sister, who their parents are Nigerians. Um, mm -hmm. And they, they allude to that and all that. Um, she, she talks, you know, mm -hmm. and then talks about supporting the, in the North and how, you know, all those things. And essentially it ties down to it. Like, in nobody Peter becomes says explains like look you don't you're not happy they're not happy too there's no land there's no security people can't go to farm tells you that um reality doesn't matter where you're from that a lot of people are supporting the movement I've heard people be like yeah we're going to support Peter B because we feel we have to but you know even even while they're supporting they're like threatening Igbo people like yeah you know Igbo's you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they, they will generalize mm -hmm. that way, mm -hmm. you know, which is, which is uh, very, and it's, it's the so-called elites that will be doing that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so, so, you know, so there's this, I want, I want to read um, part of what the, this young woman um, uh, said, Wayimi uh, Lube. Um, so she is, she is part of a youth group uh, that's, 
fishing votes for for P2B. Uh, give me a second. Let me uh, let me bring it up. Um, so she said, um, the obedient movement is is pretty simple. Lube said in a very self-assured manner, we're just a group of frustrated Nigerians who want good governance. It's as simple as that. And we're running for the presidency. Each and every one of us in the obedient movement is running for the presidency through P2B. Okay, so this is very interesting. We're running for the presidency through P2B. Then she continues, NSAS was the catalyst that started all of this, okay? NSAS was the catalyst that started all of this. So, of course, uh, for those of us, for those of you watching us who may not be Nigerians, in October of 2020, um, there were uh, a number of very strong protests staged in numerous Nigerian cities um, protesting against police brutality. Uh, NSAS stands for putting an end to a police unit called the Special Anti-Robbery uh, Squad. Mm -hmm. uh, this unit was established in 1992 to combat the scourge of violent crime, especially armed robbery in Nigeria. But as often happens in, in our country, the members, the, the so-called law enforcement agents, quickly turned into criminals uh, of the worst order. Um, they would brutalize innocent citizens. They would even engage in uh, numerous cases, uh, extrajudicial execution of suspects. And so in October of 2020, Nigerian youth staged protests uh, that really swept uh, through the country, um, uh, was present in uh, the major cities of that country. The Nigerian president, Muhammad Buhari, was uh, forced to uh, promise uh, to um, basically decommission uh, the SARS. Um, but the students or the youth who organized these protests wanted more political reforms to follow. In response, the government ultimately, toward the end of October, unleashed military force on the protesters, killing uh, a yet-to-be-determined number of them and wounding many of them. And so this sort of temporarily puts... Uh, an end to what was um, a shining moment uh, where Nigerian youth showed themselves in the most admirable and impressive light. And so this young woman, Lube, is suggesting that um, the support for Obi mirrors the same uh, momentum that these youth had brought in 2020 in asking and, in fact, agitating for uh, for a better Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, when you have um, 
and it, it it it's it's more dire because of the situation in the country. Um, I was um, drawing the differences in terms of. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and we we're talking about uh, Indian Indians and this thing celebrated their their uh, Pakistanis celebrated their independence, and you could contrast with two nations, India. Not necessarily a first world power, but it's a country. It's a thing, you know, and Pakistan is a field country, just like Nigeria. So in the same breath, I would say you have a situation where Nigeria is literally done for at this point in time. Everything is upside down, you name it. Um, and it didn't start today. It's been even before independence, uh, long before actually. But the continuation of that, you have that situation um, I was listening to somebody say, look, the only thing holding Nigeria together is the foreign remittances. Not, not foreign direct investments, foreign remittances. Yeah. By most accounts, foreign remittances account for, accounts for over 20% of Nigeria's GDP right now. Um, and it's typically very targeted. It's typically sent to most of the time people in need. Um, as opposed to government spending in Nigeria that just ends up in in the pockets people, of people, government so. government officials and their and their cronies. Yeah, that's the only thing keeping Nigeria. If if by by luck accounts, if ten percent of that, if that if that amount goes down to by forty fifty percent, if people here and in other places around the world are unable to help sustain their family members. Um, yeah, people hate to yeah, think. Okay. I, yeah. Hate to think of what will happen. Um, mm. Hate to think of what will happen if next day, because just judging by the amount of um, posts and conversations that I had on, on social media platforms, I hate to think of what will happen if elections come next year and people feel rightly or wrongly, I don't know, it hasn't happened yet, I'm just saying, and people feel like um, they were robbed or um, as as typically is the case in Nigerian elections, it was fraudulent to, to the core. Mm -hmm. I hate to think of what will happen. I don't feel like people are, it's going to, if that kind of thing happens, people are going to be like, all right, man, you know, I don't feel so. I feel it's yeah. it's that yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people are that desperate mm -hmm. now the yeah. point that you made um earlier that this is the first time this is the very first time uh in my living memory when um even um people who are very little are bringing out their quote-unquote widow's might and offering it uh, because of a sense of urgency and of desperation. Um, Nigeria has been brought to a place of perhaps irreversible damage, okay? Irreversible um disaster okay buhari's administration has 
uh, left a shell of a country. Not that he inherited a robust country by any means, because some people think that Jonathan Alabasanjo left a robust country. Nigeria has been sick for a while, okay? But Buhari has particularly uh, brought the country to the edge of disaster, which is, you know, so we're sort of this far away from uh, the kind of disorder that very few countries have seen. Um, and so we're used to politicians spending money, buying up votes, um, and in a lot of ways in this uh, electoral season, we were seeing some of that clearly in the two parties, uh, the, the two major political parties, primaries, presidential primaries, right? Um, it was money, uh, an obscene amount of money that was given to delegates, sometimes $15,000, $20,000 handed to delegates in order to vote uh, for the candidates who ultimately won the tickets. And so I think that Nigerian youth have seen this at a time when oil production, oil revenue in the country is inconsequential. You know, uh, you and I see Europe and America making dramatic gestures, dramatic, uh, moving dramatically toward uh, a non-fossil fuel uh, future. And so very soon, even with the most massive um, reserves of, of, of oil, crude oil, we may find a situation where the rest of the world says to us, okay, drink it, drink your oil if you want. We're not interested. And so we're dealing with a situation where the Nigerian government is literally, as we said uh, a few podcasts ago, literally printing money to pay salaries. Printing money. So if um, if Nigerians, if some Nigerians, because I think that most Nigerians Maybe not most, but many Nigerians have a um, a clear view of the mess in which their country is, is mired. But those who don't have, have better wake up to the fact that it doesn't get worse than this. That a country which has little productive capacity, apart from that oil that it sells, and of course, you know, we have Hollywood, which is private sector, music industry, which is private sector. But in terms of public revenue, Nigeria is, um, is not doing well at all. Okay. So I, I agree with what you just said, that if young people from all over the country, and it looks like with every day there are more and more young Nigerians who are enlisting in this obedient movement. And I'll speak about in a minute about why 
the source of my hope, you know, um, in in this movement. But if young people invest in this movement and they have a sense that the candidate they backed won, but his victory is stolen, I think that you 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 know I I don't think that there'll be any safe spaces for politicians, sort of the traditional politicians in Nigeria, or for anybody else. I think that Nigeria will be a very sorry space indeed. Yeah. Having said this, I'm not saying that automatically Peter B is going to win. I don't know that. Campaigns haven't even begun, right? So it is only when campaigns begin that we'll take a real measure. Sort of, I like what will be said, which is when um, the CNN interviewer asked him about him being Igbo and how is he going to sort of transcend the ethnic and religious and other considerations in Nigeria. And it will be said that, say, candidate that the people of the North don't buy, you know, bread or anything at a cheaper price. They don't have good roads. They don't have anything. So in other words, misery and destitution in Nigeria is a general thing. Everybody feels it. And part of what has brought Nigeria to this sorry pass is this politics in the past of believing that it's somebody from my religious group or somebody from my ethnic group who should go there, right? When in the end, these people don't care for you. You know, they, they care uh, ultimately for, for their own pockets. And so it may well be that there is depth to this movement. We don't know it yet. It may simply be a lot of youthful dreamers who hope to overthrow the system, that perhaps the system is too deeply entrenched for their effort. We're going to find out, right? But if the young men and women in this movement, which is a carryover from NSARS, believe that they have recruited enough Nigerians to secure uh, their candidate's victory, and that victory is stolen, I think that it would be, uh, their reaction would be unimaginable. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it is, um, you know, there is, uh, you know, having said that, there's still, I mean, first things first, is seeing how the campaign goes, um, seeing what happens. Um, I don't think I'll say it and I've said it and I'll keep saying it. I don't think, uh, OB is the solution to fix Nigeria. I don't, it's a better option. Don't get me wrong than Tinubu, Atiku, Kwan Kwaso, um, you know, any of these other, um, um, any of these other Halloween creatures that are out there running for presidency <laughs> or something. Like that. <laughs> I like so, that. Halloween <laughs> creatures. I like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Any of them, but at the end of the day, Nigeria is, um, but you know, it's damaged. But you know, maybe with um, 
people that want to forge a national identity of some sort, when you go back in history, in places, nations, wherever, you know, people want to forge a, an entity. And that typically is the beginning of something um, from somewhere. It might take 100 years, who knows, but when people decide that we want to, or they want to form an entity, if you go back in history and give you so many examples, eventually, you know, people start forming an entity. Um, or people would have to decide that do they want an entity because we've yeah. never decided that. Mm-hmm. Um, the British came in, I was having that, I was watching a lady have this conversation and I used to actually um, be in rooms with her on Clubhouse and um, she was talking about, you know, it was very like, yeah, colonialism is not Nigeria's problem, blah, 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 blah. Like, to some degree she has a point there. Oh, not Nigeria, sorry. She's French. She's actually, is it French or is Senegalese French? I can't remember how it goes. I think Senegalese French, one of those people where their parents left them back in, in Senegal and to France and came to pick them up and all that. And is this like the, this woman who is an entrepreneur? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that lady. Yeah. Okay, okay. I saw I saw something she did with uh, Jordan Peterson. Yes, that was yeah. so she okay, did good. Peterson, she did with uh, yeah. Lex Friedman. Yes. And you know, I was like, yeah, to some degree she's right, you know, a lot of things um largely are in the hands of the natives. But to some degree you have to to a broader degree you have countries that um have been put together with the sole purpose of them never being able to stand up. You have mm. mortal enemies in some cases, all gobbled up into one. You had the British coming in the middle of the Alsa Fulani, uh, end of the Darfodio uh, Jihad, where they take over the Alsa states, which most people don't know were actually matriarchal. Matriarchal? Matriarchal. You know, at the time we took over them. Um, and they had all those, or, you know, people that don't, don't if you, you know, you know the stories or you haven't heard of people like uh, Queen Amina and all those kind of, of people. So uh, they get taken over. Um, and there's that dynamic, there's that struggle that was highlighted in the documentary, um, uh, that Bandits of Zamfar. That's still going on there. So you have all these people. For, and that's just one example, like in Nigeria, for the microcore. Mm-hmm. You have all this, you know, and they've never decided if they can even be a country together in all sincerity. And if they can, do they want to? Yeah. So are two separate questions. So you, you, you need to ask these questions, but you have these dynamics. And as you have the Northern things happening, you have the ones in the South and nobody cares for each other. Um, the ones, the people in the South, the ethnic groups will call each other pejorative names. They'll call the people in the North pejorative names. They will lump everybody together. Or in some cases in the South, they'll separate themselves out. I am not Igbo. Mm. It's one of those common things in the South. Or you tell the wall historically, like, no, I'm not evil. <laughs> you know, so all this to say, um, the country, you know, if, if, if people, if, if, you know, the, 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 the people or the leaders or the, the, or I say the karma or whatever it is, decides to give the country a chance to look at itself and ask itself that question. You know, it'd be great, but we are, we are not there. We're going to see what's going to happen. I think the Obasanjo era was one time where it could have happened. It didn't. 
I think the um, Babangida um, slash Abacha era was another time. It could have happened. It didn't. Um, a brew conference was one time it actually kind of was at least something. It ends, they end up killing it off. So first things first, let's see how the campaign goes. Um, yeah. Before uh, we talk about all that stuff, mm-hmm. but the yeah. main thing is see how the campaign goes, see where the ducks lie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Obi is a better candidate than the other people and Maybe there'll be an opportunity to decide if we should stay together, have a mm-hmm. plebiscite and run away yeah. from each other. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, you know where I stand emotionally. Um, my stance is that Nigeria is so damaged that we can't assume that we want to stay together. Um, that, um, and at any rate, that there there is fundamental reimagination of the space that needs to happen you know uh emotionally i want um nigeria to 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 stay together if if it can be managed but it can't stay together under the terms of of its present existence it cannot stay together when citizens don't feel at home in all parts of, of nigeria when the place is overrun by violence, where there are so many grievances um, uh, all over the country and people feel that the best way to actualize themselves is to to um, remove themselves from this behemoth, you know, called Nigeria and to uh, reconstitute themselves along ethnic or clannish lines or whatever. Um, so I have said that Nigeria needs um, a panel of a rescue panel, really, of experts in the different uh, areas who will begin to reimagine um, the different sectors if if we decide to stay together and determine the terms of this uh, coexistence. Uh, but it looks like we are moving. Uh, inevitably in the direction of next year's elections. My hope is that somehow uh, if the elections hold, that they will hold in an uh, atmosphere of of, um, relative, at least relative um, violence-free calm. Um, And if, if they do, that the elections should be transparent, should be credible, should be free of um, the kinds of technical glitches and technical that fraud, quite honestly, that have uh, become uh, trademarks of, of past elections in Nigeria. But there's, you know, you made the point that. Um, you know, that you have questions about OB as they, you know, of course, a lot of people see OB as the savior of, of Nigeria. Um, I have profound misgivings, uh, but I will also say that in the company of of the two other uh, uh, presidential candidates, that he is by far 
uh, the most attractive candidate. Um, but here is where I said I ultimately was uh, heartened by you know what happened on CNN. It was actually in the word uh, of again this young woman, and I go back to her because uh, what she said sort of struck me uh, powerfully. And this young woman, let me see if I can find it. Uh, she did say something like, um, uh, let me see if I can find what she said. Um, yeah, here it is. She says, we harnessed that ensa's pain, that energy, and said, we're not just going to let this die. It's not really about P2B. Definitely P2B is a quote-unquote quote poster child for good governance. But it's about us Nigerians. When do we start to speak up for ourselves? When do we start to speak, speak up well for said. ourselves? So, so what I think is that if P2B wins the presidency, if it happens that he wins the presidency, that will be cannot govern without a vital sense that this was not his victory. This is a victory, a collective victory indeed, of the young people who mobilized for him. And therefore, that ultimately whatever Obi's political weaknesses and deficiencies, that he cannot but be compelled to govern in the interests of the young people who worked uh, and who are working to actualize uh, his presidential ambitions. So that in the end, he's going to understand that this is not about him, that every single young person who is running, uh, who is supporting him, sees him or herself as running, as having a vital stake in this in this race, um, I think that I think that that's the best guarantee that Obi is not going to slip into the usual easy path of Nigerian politicians who sometimes will give good rhetoric or dull rhetoric but then govern in a way that is self-centered and self-serving. Um, so so that, that sort of is, is what I see as, um, as the, the antidote against uh, the potential betrayal by an OB, uh, OB, OB presidency that the young people, if they get him the presidency, won't sit uh, idly and allow him to do anything but do what they want him to do. And as I've, I've continued to say, to the extent that Nigeria continues to retain any residue of hope, that residue of hope rests entirely or if you like, mostly, uh, with the young people who have been much betrayed 
who are broken by just the constant um, destruction, the serial destruction of Nigeria. But ultimately, um, that in their ingenuity and energy and passion, in their creativity, look at what young people are doing in music, look at what they're doing in film, look at what they're doing um, uh, just in different areas of, of, of endeavor, despite the fact that their country has been just broken. Left to them, they're going to bring um, an impose on, the, on, on, an, on, on any president uh, that they bring into power. And, you know, I think that um, clearly they, they, they are most excited by OB. If they bring OB into office, I think the young people are going to, as it were, stage a sit-in so that they are front and center and at the heart of his government. And the very first sign of his moving away from the steam, from the momentum, from the energy that produced his presidency, that young people are going to give him hell, and deservedly so. Well, we hope that it would not be in the, like the case of Obama's presidency, um, where uh, young people powered him in, and um, he went corporate immediately from the very first <laughs> second from his bailout. So, yeah. um, the disaster mm -hmm. so, uh, directly led to all kinds of consequences. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, I think I think um, yeah, it, it's it's been a bracing. Uh, exciting conversation. Um, as I said, I'm looking forward to uh, the other candidates. What Obi clearly is doing, and we have to give him credit, is that Obi is raising the bar for the other candidates, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, since Obi has gone to CNN, has gone also to Nigerian media uh, to, as it were, state, make a case for himself. I'm looking forward to hearing Atiku and Tinubu step up as well and make their own case. And if they have better answers uh, to the problems of Nigeria, um, well, uh, I hope they have the opportunity uh, from CNN uh, to go and make that case. All right. So thank you very much uh, again, our viewers. Um, for uh, listening in on this episode and uh, we look forward to welcoming you uh, again next week. Have a brilliant rest of the week. See you next week. All okay. right. Okay, bye-bye now. All right.